0: Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. We're back, John Duke, Justin Poolin. I had a little vacay, was sitting out along the, uh, the ocean, had a nice week of weather. I got to see some of the Summer League games in Vegas. I saw all of Orlando before we got out of Dodge, John, so I know we've got a few things to talk about, plenty of trade rumors. Jared Sullinger has moved on and is now with the Toronto Raptors. We want to wrap up Summer League a little bit, and uh, as we record this tonight, so everybody will be getting this Tuesday morning, but Bullpet came out with an article on Kevin Durant. Just a little, another twist of the dagger, a little, little salt in the wound for Celtics fans, and then obviously we're going to get to your Twitter questions and announce this week's winner of the free month of Fan Essentials Celtics gear, but but John, welcome back to the show. Did you enjoy taking a little bit of a break?
1: I did. I had a I had a great time. In the meantime, I started a new job. I've 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 just man, it's all kinds of crap that's happened, and it's been good. It's been a good summer. Weather's good up here in Maine. We're loving it. It's it's good stuff, and uh, you know I I enjoyed I enjoyed the heck out of summer league. I thought it was a good good time, and. and you know, it, there were some pros, some cons. You know, but uh, I, I feel pretty good where we are right now. So, so you had some scorching weather for Maine,
0: didn't you? Uh,
1: it was it was a little warm this this weekend. Scorchy, it was a scorcher guy. Wicked. <laughs> All right,
0: I'll, I'll share one thing from my vacation, just so everybody knows it's legit. But it, anybody who knows me or has been listening to the show for a while has probably figured out that I'm now over forty. Yet. Uh, every summer that we've gone to the beach, we get a skimboard, and <laughs> we go skimboarding. Now, if you don't know what skimboarding is, it's basically you're taking the little bit, maybe an inch to three inches of water coming up on the surf and then throwing a thin piece of wooden board, like a surfboard but smaller, and then you jump on it and slide for as long as you can. Last year, I've got pictures. I dug up my entire leg. This year, I actually made it through unscathed. But I can tell you, I am way too old of a man to be getting on a skimboard, and I'm thinking I'm going to go with a carbon fiber one next year. Oh so I'm not giving up. I'm I'm doubling down on not. The the crazy thing is, is you go kind of. You go real slow at the beginning, but it's not a lot of fun. But you're afraid that you're literally going to ruin your vacation by breaking your arm or hurting yourself and not being able to do it the rest of the time. And then on the final day, you go all out, and I could tell you I've got skin
1: missing on my back. It's just ridiculous. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's a good time. That I I can't say that I tried it. I saw many... Preteen and teenage boys doing it when we were down in Myrtle Beach there this spring, um, but man, you're 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 just braver than I am. I mean, you're willing to go for it, but I know exactly what you're saying about the last day. I go with an SPF fifteen on my last day, so that's about the extent <laughs> of my you know living on the living dangerously uh, side of things. <laughs>
0: Well, I am of French and Irish descent, so your sunscreen uh, story is, is right up my alley. And I actually managed not to lobster bake myself this year. I went with SPF 50 for the first three days. Ooh. Then I went down to the 30, and I did. I got pink. It wasn't it wasn't a burn because it had, it had faded to tan the next day. And then on the second to last day, it was pretty close to a burn. I was laying on the aloe, but not real bad, not like uncomfortable uncomfortable i couldn't sleep or anything like that you know it's you know it's bad when you put the shirt on you're like uh and i was fine i could wear a shirt everything was gravy and then the last day we went out and we were out there for two hours and then it rained and it was probably my saving grace because had i been out for another two or three hours that day I,
1: i definitely even though i had the 50 back on the damage was done and and the beautiful part is when when you're wake when you're skimboarding and you tear off half of your skin what's the difference between that and a sunburn right so it's, it's road rash it's all it's the same, same right? Right? it's the same thing absolutely <laughs> Oh man, that's good. I'm glad you had. A good time. Anyway,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm too. You know, I can't play. I can't play under forty basketball leagues. Pick up anymore either. But you know, that's that's usually where I find myself trying to get up and down the court. But it is what it is. Let's jump right into this. First off, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live as well as follow me at CSL underscore Justin, my co host here, John, at CSL underscore Duke, and follow the entire CLNS radio network at CLNS radio. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash CLNS fans, and download our app, which one of our Loyal listeners from down under, Justin did or told us he did just today and got the app. You can get it on iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in the app marketplace as well as all of our YouTube channel coverage, which gets awesome, awesome during the season. High definition, full-length locker room interviews and the garden report with our buddy Jared Weiss. Go to YouTube.com backslash CLNS Radio. Let's jump in. Let's just start with the trade rumors because everybody is waiting for the next shoe to drop. I mean, that's really where we're at at this point is, okay, we've drawn a lot of parallels. Maybe it's time to just dump the parallels and move on with the 2016 offseason heading into the 2016-2017 Boston Celtics season. But the trade rumors do parallel a little bit because you and I are talking before we got on the air and I said, well, you know, I, I'm I'm all for the rebuild at this point. I'm not really sure anything's going to happen. Maybe maybe more towards a trade deadline. He said, no, I, no, I'm I'm buying into the hype. You know, maybe it, maybe to cite Kevin O'Connor's article on Celtics blog about the the Danny tweet of the whale that you're all in you think that something is definitely definitely imminent maybe coming up here in the next couple of weeks before we close out July and remember the Kevin Garnett trade happened on July 31st 2007 so you know trade season is not
1: over just because something didn't happen at the the draft and we've moved into free agency right on i mean that's it right i mean that i think all of us look at that and say well you know just because you, you think Danny Ainge is going to stop working because, well, now we're not, there aren't any guys out there to sign. I mean, I think what we saw this last week is probably Danny is the sign of Danny is working towards something. Sean Devaney of, of sporting news obviously had the, I think the first kind of shot across the bow saying that, you know, they're looking at Blake Griffin and, and then, you know, he's gone on to say, you know, 75, 80% chance. I think it was on Rainy and Jays, uh, you know, suggesting that there's a 75-8% chance that there'll be a deal. Now, it's been, it's been shot down elsewhere, and, and Bullpet certainly did, did, uh, you know, had a story to that respect saying that, you know, there hadn't been any discussions, but the, the fact is, is that it doesn't it make a lot of sense that a deal would happen now. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of GMs that think that that they're working on something and you know you you have him you have Howard Beck who's talking about uh, you know how Westbrook is is out there and they think that and he thinks that that the Celtics stand the best chance and he's heard that from other GMs that the Celtics have the best chance with Westbrook so I mean at, at some point you have the perfect situation of or the perfect opportunity of situation assets and need and that's what Danny has been building up for it's been frustrating as a fan. And the opportunity. Right. And
0: the opportunity. And and let's face it, as much as Adam Silver has tried to not he, – he doesn't want to say that Kevin Durant doesn't deserve to go. But at the same time, he's not really happy uh, about it. And he knows that the owners that he serves aren't happy about it from a competitive standpoint. What better way to sweep that under the rug but then to bring in Westbrook to the Celtics – Go seven games against LeBron, the defending champs, squeak it out maybe, and then go have Westbrook, you know, try to battle and beat old buddy Kevin Durant, who basically intimated on his way out that he wanted his game to grow, that Westbrook is somewhat of a ball hog, and that Durant wasn't going to be able to, you know, advance his basketball skills, talent, Without growing on a team that was, I guess, basically unselfish, which is the irony in all of this, is that I can't root for the Golden State Warriors after being enjoying that very much last season, but you heard me on our last show uh there's no way they're getting 1 ounce of support out of me and uh I was a little even over the top with with my um uh, <laughs> with my anger towards Kevin Durant and we'll get to that because thanks to Volpet, he had to open the wound literally uh an hour before we start recording for this show but but w- there is some there there could be some positives you know opportunity not only for the Celtics but for the NBA to to really I don't want to say manufacture, but create some interesting drama come postseason next year if Westbrook were to move on.
1: Absolutely. The storylines are written. I mean, it it, would be outstanding to see that from the NBA's perspective. And, and look, look, we need parity between the conferences. You know, I mean, I think the Eastern Conference had a much better year this year than people were expecting. But by the time you got to the playoffs, it was pretty clear it was Cleveland and not much a whole, not much else. Now I think the Celtics are going to have a real run. I think they're going to. I think they have a real good chance at the conference finals this year without any moves. Certainly, with a move, they should be there. I'm not a big fan of Toronto at all. But look, you've got a situation where the, the league wants to see this happen and. I think that Danny Ainge has put himself in as good a position as he can to make a deal. The question is, can you be patient? Can you do the right deal and not just do the deal because you feel like you need to? And I think fans and like you and me and everyone else who's listening, we are not real great about that that issue of patience, but, you know, In the long run, is Jalen Brown the right pick? I think so, and I think I do too. I I
0: can't believe I'm here. No, no, no. You
1: know, and we'll talk about summer league in a bit, but you know, you have to take the longer look, and he has the value of of that longer look. He knows what these guys are saying. He's not just playing by rumors. He's going by what's on the ground, and the fact is that you got to play the long game. And you don't want to give up too much, and you know they could have given up too much for a lot of guys, and they haven't they've held back held back, held back, maybe to their detriment at times, maybe you know they would have taken Chris Dunn, who might be a better a better uh, uh trade chip uh in the short term, but in the long run, he took Jalen Brown and it worked out he wouldn't have he maybe he would have taken Chris Dunn if he hadn't taken Rosier the year before that and and Marcus smart the year before that, and so forth so it still may work out in the end, but unfortunately, it just takes patience, and that's really hard. I think, which is what I really want at
0: this point. I, I gotta tell you, I am not that I wouldn't make certain trades. We're heavy in the backcourt. I think there's pieces that can move, but I really want to see this team grow, and I know that they've said that they want to grow. For the future. Now, a guy like Russell Westbrook and the other big name that gets mentioned in Blake Griffin, both are still very young players. I'm not sure you're necessarily, by the time the players we draft in the next two drafts truly mature at the championship level, they're probably going to be those ages anyway. So I get why you expedite that process, especially after signing Al Horford. But the fan in me actually finds myself wanting to be patient now. I wasn't really upset. That there wasn't a trade at the um, at at the NBA draft night, uh, I was disappointed a little bit because I was excited for something to happen. It was really more the picks were sort of confounding, and I needed a little bit of hindsight to to make myself look at that with more twenty twenty vision. But you can also make the argument that if they had gotten um, you know Jimmy Butler, that maybe Kevin Durant would have come, and that was that was really what that was about for me. You didn't have to wonder if Kevin Durant really would have made any other choice uh, after hearing the reports that he was speaking with, you know, the players during the season, and you know, especially Draymond Green, who had an interesting dust up in, during my vacation as well.
1: But uh, not on your fact, vacation. He wasn't on vacation with you. Let's let's clear no, that up. No, no, he was. I flew out to. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs>
0: Actually, he hit me.
1: He hit you. You were talking to me. He slapped me. He slapped me.
0: Because I was so angry about it. I was like, if you would just keep your damn mouth shut, everything would have gone as planned. We had Tom Brady. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Anyway, we might as well we might as well just bring up the quote from we've we've already said Durant so many times and and not the free not the potential trade rumor guys which we have to get into so we might as well quote it because I'm 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 clearly still sore but uh, Durant on when he saw Brady walk in with the Celtics he said I was ready to just say all right let's go I'm ready to go uh, I think that's probably more. If you read the entire article from Steve, what I'm getting from Durant is that he's doing a little damage control. He's definitely taking the high road, as he should, because anything he says – even close that close to being misinterpreted as negative is, is going to be bad. He did some say some things that sounded like they were heartfelt in this article to Oklahoma City, but there is an element of it that I think uh, when the quotes get out for OKC fans, they're going to be still a little ticked the way he worded it. I'll see if I can I can find it, but yeah. Uh, but, but let's talk about. Westbrook and Griffin, and an either-or, that's the big conversation. Our good friend Larry H. Russell right here on the CLNS Radio Network comes out every Sunday morning with Celtics Beat, and this week's show very focused on the Celtics and obtaining not only Westbrook or Griffin, but what if that's an and scenario? Um, I'm not buying all into that, and I know you aren't either, John, but let's just start there. Yeah,
1: no, I... I (laughs) <laughs> Larry has got a little bit of the over-exuberance juice I think that you were drinking uh, the morning of the uh, the Durant thing because, yeah, there's no way. I mean, look, if that happened, that would that would probably surpass the Kevin Garnett trade, honestly, because it's like taking two of the top ten players in the league and trading for them all at once. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. I mean, that, that would be just unbelievable ridiculous you know and and while i i think danny has a lot of a lot of abilities that would set a new bar i think for everyone in the nba it's not going to happen there's just no way I, I just i don't see i don't see that they have the assets to make the trades work i think that just getting one of those guys is hard enough. not at the current price oh my absolutely
0: God. at the current price it would be difficult the only thing i will say is if they got Durant, I mean, if they got Griffin in a trade and had enough assets left, you know, and, and you got to think Isaiah Thomas is on the way out if Westbrook's coming in, Absolutely. right? I mean, yeah. the, You can't so, play both. I don't. And, and I don't think Isaiah's going out for a Griffin. So it is possible you would be completely mortgaging, you know, every asset you have. It would be a very thin team. I'm not even sure how much we'd have left, but you would have Griffin. And Horford, who would play well side by side, and you would have Westbrook. And I'm trying to figure out what pieces would be left, but you'd have to. You might. You might be able to retain Jalen Brown, but I can tell you, Jay Crowder is gone. Avery Bradley is gone. All the Nets picks are gone. Probably all the other picks that we've acquired. And yeah, maybe not all the Boston's picks, but all those picks. yeah, no, you're right. Marcus Smart yeah. is probably gone. Yeah, I, I, I just, so. yeah. Terry Rozier stays. It's the guys we just watched in summer league that round out the roster, and Amir Johnson's got to go for salary. Like, I mean, I the whole the the salaries they probably, and this will go to a, a future Twitter Twitter question, but we we almost have to sign somebody. But you can't do that because of base of your comp and you 'd have to wait and consummate one of these deals mid season and I'm just right. not
1: even sure if we have enough salary and you can't you can't do the extension for both of them see so that, that's the that's the other thing is that you part of the reason you do the deal for Westbrook to me or, or Griffin is the idea is you can do some sort of it you can do the extension right. And for Westbrook, I think you absolutely. I, I don't even want to talk. I just put Blake aside because I prefer. If I have to choose, I want Westbrook over Griffin. Well, the price is too high for Westbrook. But I don't know that not to get not to get the extension. I don't. Right. My, no,
0: but, right. no, my point is the price to yeah. acquire and trade is too high not to get the extension yeah. that has to
1: come with it. No, that's true. I think you're right. I think it, he has to have that extent that price the has to have the extension to make the deal worth it for Danny. I mean, the guy's a free agent in the year. And I know Danny's a gambler, but he's not foolish. I don't think, though, that the price is going to be that high. I don't think that it's a, the price is as high as you might think it is, be, or, or, or might, most people might think it would be because of the fact that there are only so many teams that can do what the Boston can do, which is have the assets, have a situation that's ready-made for a guy of Westbrook's ability to come in and win, maybe not win a championship with his addition alone but but certainly be in the conversation of a contender maybe even more and and then three to have the money that's the other piece of this is that the sellers can do this extension right now boom they could put themselves and and, and put themselves in a position to do it i mean the market is small the, you know the lakers maybe but are they going to be a winning team with with Westbrook? You know, Bill Simmons was talking, had this on his uh, one of his. Why would anybody in the West, right, give
0: up the kind of assets that it would take to acquire Westbrook at this point? Based on you know the situation in Golden State, I mean I understand why you try to compete, especially if you're like the Clippers, like you know, you're one oh, player sure, away. you know, yeah, you're one player away and you're older, but the it, window is closing. You're either going into rebuild and dumping those assets, or you're throwing every other asset that you have available to 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 get
1: that one player exactly right. And so like if you're, let's say you're the Clippers, I think that's a great great comparison to an LA team, somebody he might resign with. But who are they going to have to give up to get Russell Westbrook? They don't have anybody who's not a core player. Are they going to do Blake for Westbrook? Then what what kind of message does that send to uh, -to soon-to-be free agent Chris Paul? You know, there's just the the aftershocks of that. Look at, uh, you know, San Antonio. They don't have anybody to send out in assets. You know, so you start, like, going through the list. There's not many left, and you've got to say, okay, so Boston's definitely at the top of the list. Is he going to go to New York? Who the hell does New York have to send out? Porzingis? Uh, you know, they don't have any picks. So, I mean, it's just you look at the list. If if Oklahoma City decides to trade him, Boston is the team, and it's just going to take patience from Boston. To but it's definitely pick.
0: Isaiah, too, and one of the yeah. ways I think you I- might be able to make the salary work I'm not sure how the extension that well, do Boston. To Boston signs the. Ex- oh, that's right, because of the whole a- added cap, room. right? So, so it's definitely Isaiah, but maybe Isaiah gets paid when he gets sent out just as much as Westbrook pay gets paid when he comes
1: in. I don't know, but I, I, I mean, you have to send enough out in trade. Our buddy uh, Danger Cart, Ryan Bernardoni, uh, put the numbers together on Celtics Hub, and so definitely. Google search that if you haven't seen it. I put it up on my Twitter feed then. But he laid out exactly what you'd have to do. And, yeah, you'd, I think it was Amir, uh, Isaiah, uh, I, I'm, the pieces, is, it's been a few days. But, basically, you'd have to send out some salary. It wouldn't, it's, it's definitely not a one-for-one, one, though. But you have to clear out enough salary so that then you can use the rest of your space to extend him. And that's, that's you know, it is doable. it's doable. It's entirely doable. So uh, that's the deal that I'm looking at. I, I think the problem is it, it does kind of reset the you know the landscape for the Celtics, and the, the and the biggest question mark, which I know you and I were talking about beforehand, was the biggest question mark is how does he fit in. You know, the type of player that West, Russell Westbrook has been, a very ball-dominant, you know... Uh, he didn't game.
0: even shoot 30% from three last year, and it's one of the major... Everybody said, this team right. needs to get shooting. We need to space the floor, right. and nobody more than Westbrook needs the floor spaced. Right. He's going to attack the basket. He's going to, he's going to get to the free-throw line. He's going to manufacture points. He's going to operate with the ball in his hand. I think Isaiah could work off-ball. I just don't think that any team is trading somebody like Westbrook without getting i mean that that's a way to sort of pacify the deal is like hey we got one of these very valuable picks and we got an all-star in return for Westbrook exactly. that's the way you sell it to the fan base and we knew we had to res- we had to hit the reset button and they get one i don't know that danny's willing to give up both nets picks and i would hope for sure not but if he gives up one of the nets picks he still got some extra picks you know, like one uh, that we, tra- we traded with uh, the first or second pick in the second round this year. Right. We got, they, so we got, the- we got a future Clippers pick out of that. Yep. That one could go. So there's some things they can do to, to add a number of different picks to help them with the rebuild and basically give them more swings of the bat. I'd hope he wouldn't give both, but you've got to do Isaiah. One of those picks has got to go probably Bradley or Crowder. They're going to want another piece. Maybe it's smart, but um, if it, it, you know, Smart almost seems expendable if you're going to get Westbrook as well, because as much as Smart's a great defender, you've got to think that, that Westbrook and Smart don't necessarily complement each
1: other either. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think that's why you know, the, the deal that Simmons was floating was one of the Nets' picks, Jalen Brown and Isaiah. And I think you're right. I think for the Celtics' perspective, I think you'd rather include Smart in that deal instead of Jalen Brown. Not that I like Jalen, you know, like Smart better, than, not that I like Brown better than Smart necessarily, but I think at least in terms of what we have, that's a better fit for us because, you know, as you said, we want shooting. We need, a, you know, a small forward rather than, you know, it's smart and smart showing us his ability. And he's going home to Oklahoma City. Don't forget that fact. The other piece of it, though, is that they just acquired Oladipo. So I'm not sure they're going to want another shooting guard, you know, power point guard who can't shoot. That That is a a bit of a – Sticky wicket, but who knows?
0: If you're in, if you're in a rebuild mode and you know you have time to move those pieces, mm-hmm. and you're getting draft picks, then those questions always arise when you're in a state of flux like Oklahoma City is. You know, oh, we have these guys. I don't we don't know how they fit. Well, the truth is, what we're selling you on is hometown kid comes home, a bunch of future picks, and we got an all star. How can you complain? We knew we had to hit the reset button, and you know this is this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get younger. We're going to or They really weren't that old, right? But we're (laughs) going to make sure that we don't get older, you know, as we do this. Um, So – the the major concern, obviously, with Westbrook three point percentage. How does he fit in? But he really is a talent. I, I'm concerned about him and Brad Stevens' style and system, and I'm concerned about buy in and if there's legitimacy to that hard headedness. But one way that we know Westbrook will fit in is you got to think he's got a huge chip on his shoulder now. His buddy just left him, and he's got one season here. So uh, I, I I would say at this point he would come in and fit in from that standpoint right away. So then it's up to Brad to to get him to buy into the system. The issue with Griffin, obviously, is health. This is a guy right around the trade deadline that I said this was the player that I expected the Celtics to get. They have connections. Danny likes to do deals with people he knows. He obviously knows Doc Rivers really well. There was the incident this past season, which seems to be an isolated incident. Uh, I don't think that the concerns around Blake Griffin's, you know, issues with the trainer, the team trainer is quite the same concern that you would have with the Boogie Cousins coming in and altering chemistry. However, the injury is really my biggest concern again, can't overpay in this scenario. And you have to wonder if they're really good trade partners when you look at the fact that like you said, the Clippers kind of are at a state where they can't hit the rebuild button. They probably should. But Docs already missed a lot of that opportunity in some ways, and they would really have to move a number of players in a short period of time to get to rebuild. And we already know he doesn't want to do it, so right. it's more likely, you know, that they would they would probably have to get multiple pieces. He might be looking for a Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley and a future pick. And in that case, you know, they just kind of say, "Well, listen, you know, we're going to play." you know, Crowder at the four in this scenario, and we get a great, you know, defender, something along those lines. It, but it's a tough – that's a that's a much tougher trade, I think, and the concerns for the Celtics are greater as to what – I mean, there's concerns about Griffin because he's not even playing on you at Team USA basketball this summer. Yeah, although
1: there's a lot of those guys. I, I don't know. There's a lot of guys who are pulling out of that just because of, you know, Zika or whatever excuses. I think they just don't want to be in Rio for the – crap show that that's going to be but yeah no you're right i mean there's a lot of concern about that leg and hey as long as the celtics build their trade package around players that doc play that that had played for doc (coughs) avery Avery bradley uh they're gonna (laughs) get the deal done i think they could put avery bradley rj hunter and 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 flotsam and jetsam in a pick package and they might that might be enough to get blake
0: well, if that's enough to get Blake. Why don't you think they can get them both?
1: Because they no, can't I, resign them. I'm, I'm joking. Oh, I see. Oh, I'm okay. joking <laughs> because that's what the Doc does. He just gets his old players back. But right, right. No, I well, the reason why I don't think that I just to me, I don't think they're. I just don't think the odds just seem small. They just really seem small to give up. Let's say you got to give up both Nets picks. One goes to to L. A. One goes to uh, Oklahoma City, you know, it, like you said, if, if you could do the deal by giving up only Isaiah and either Smarter Brown, and then you do the deal with, with the Clippers and you give up, let's say, Bradley and Crowder and, I don't know, Olenek, you know.
0: You just get so thin. You,
1: you do, but, you know, we said that in 08, too. I mean, remember, remember Eddie like, House,
0: James Posey, it, well, bam. They, we yep. found
1: him, you know, and, and – and that the the thing that makes me think about this a little bit more, that makes me think that this is where this is coming from, that the idea that this deal could happen, is that almost immediately after Sean Devaney's you know tweet or, or post about that, he talks about how Chase Budinger is a, is a player the Celtics are looking at. Well, they're not going to sign a. a, 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 Chris, a Chase Buttinger unless they have room and they're not going to do that unless they're adding him as a James Posey, Eddie house type to round out a bench of a team that has Blake and Horford and Westbrook, you know, and the team is thin, you know what I mean? So that's what the Celtics are telling these agents. And that's why they're trying to stay in the, the mix with a lot of these guys who were kind of left over. I mean, they did the deal, and just as you said, they did the deal on, on July 31st, and they still found that bench. I mean, of course, they still had Rondo left over. They still had Perk left over. But other than that, they did a deal for the, with those guys. Uh,
0: well and they 're going and they 're probably going to have guys like Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown, potentially one of those. They have some players Maybe. that they can round out the bench they yeah. need some veterans to be able to come in and be able to learn the system quickly and even though they may be limited in talent if they 're you know maximized in mental ability to be where they 're supposed to be as a complementary player and insurance in terms of replacing some of the depth on the roster. Then, then maybe there's a, there's a place for that. We gotta move on to Summer League and Sully here, but real quick, just, uh, gotta give a shout out to Fan Essentials because we do have a winner to announce right now. But how would you like to get all of your favorite NBA teams merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Go check out FanEssentials.net. All you gotta do is pick your favorite sports team, and I'm sure it's the Celtics every month. You get t- their team gear shipped right to your door. They find it, so you don't have to. And each fan box comes fully packed with some amazing stuff. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan, and prices start at just thirty-four ninety-nine. So you'd be supporting Celtic stuff live. And also, we would be helping you. You save 30% on your first month with your subscription using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. So just go to FanEssentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And as I mentioned, we are giving away one free month to each week to our listeners. This week's winner is at JFarb5, Josh, a good Uh, follower and listener and supporter of the show. So, Josh, you're going to get some free gear. Just make sure you check your direct messages tomorrow. You'll get a tweet with all the information from us on what you need to do. And if anybody listening wants to get in on the action and get a free month of Celtics gear. All you simply need to do is retweet one of our show announcements on Twitter with the hashtag FanEssentials. So make sure you're following at CSL underscore tweet live so we can send you that direct message. And we're announcing the winner uh, on each week's show. So there'll be another one next week. Looking forward to that. Do we want to go Sully, or do we want to go Summer League? And maybe real quick before that, here's the Kevin Durant quote that I think will get picked apart by the fans in OKC. I think it's innocuous. He's just kind of talking off the cuff here. But he said, you know, he basically said that after he made the decision, he had to kind of disappear for a little bit. And he had to, you know, kind of get away from it. But he said, I just stayed in. I was trying to trust the process. Having a chance to play in Oklahoma City for eight years and see the city come together and support the team, I understand. I understand where they're coming from, and it hurt me. I was hurt for a few days because I know I hurt so many people in Oklahoma City by changing teams. So that's just really fine. I was hurt for a few days, but I moved on. And we understand that, but I bet fans in Oklahoma are going to pick that one apart.
1: (laughs) I know if we were in Boston, I wouldn't forget it. So, you know, I'm not sure about right. those folks, but that's all they got is the thunder. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, that's. Dude, tough. I'm a Celtics fan, and I was hurt for more than a yeah. few days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, were you ever. I mean, right. You know, and these guys out there in Oklahoma City, this is their only team. I mean, I just, boy, that's that's going to be tough. They're
0: going that to they gobble that up. They are going to gobble that up. I guarantee it. All right.
1: Summer league or Sully? Let's Which go way do you got? I mean, I think it's a real quick thing, honestly. I mean, first of all, i was surprised at the size of the contract. One year, six million. But you know, it wasn't long after that that uh, you know other guys have, have signed for very little. Having said that, I, miles <laughs> Miles Plumley just signed for four years, fifty four million. So I don't know what the heck is going. Word on. word gets
0: around. Yeah, Sully. Killed himself. Yeah, he, he did. Who who was he working out? Uh, Lucas yeah, last summer. John Lucas, yeah. So John Lucas basically said it in the article. I think this one was from Bull Pet too, but it had quotes from Lucas and basically said, "Listen, this kid's not doing himself any favors. He still thinks he knows best, and he's not a good listener. That's a major problem. We we felt this well, yeah. about him, and I, you know, and even in my my brief time uh, covering a game this year, there there is something. Just not quite right about Sully, and it. And I think it's immaturity, and I don't think it's something that necessarily is going to hold his whole career back. I almost think this is the best favor that the Celtics could have done. I mean, what was their qualifying offer? Four point six, and he only wound up getting six. If they had played that out without rescinding their offer, he probably would have said, you know, would have, ah, you know, what? Maybe I go back to Boston. But I think when they rescinded that offer, it sent the message, and I think he needed that message. Could be the best thing for him that they gave him a little kick in the butt. Will also be interesting to see if he makes any strides or plays with a chip on his shoulder or whatnot. The most concerning comment from Lucas was how Sully basically said, "I don't know if I can do that again," meaning all the hard work he put in last off season.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> if he. If he put in even half the work that he put in... Well, you know what? The pro- Here's the problem, right? We saw the pictures. We talked. I mean, we saw the pictures last summer and said, wow, he was looking good. He shows up to camp. It looks the same. looks looked exactly the same. Didn't look any thinner. And then by the end of the year, he got bigger. And I think that guy, you're right. I mean i it's gotta be a maturity, right, yeah,
0: it has to be you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and even Lucas tried to temper some of Jeez. it by saying, you know, hey, my own daughter has like a weed allergy, and mm-hmm. you know is just not able to process this kind of you know, and i hey look i i I get it, it's not easy to manage weight it's you know, but this is his this is his only job, right? He's not balancing another job and then he's gotta manage, like nutrition, exercise. This is his daily work. And it's hard to be disciplined. This is one of the consequences of young players getting all this money and living the lifestyle. And I know we weren't necessarily going to talk about James Young uh, until we got into Summer League, but we might as well tie it in because I think the same thing is plaguing both of these individuals, not necessarily like Sully's plays out in a weight issue, but I think James Young's plays out in a discipline issue in a different way, which is he's just not working on his game. I mean, how much has James Young improved? And I wanted to be a defender of James Young. I was a big fan when they picked him. Yeah. you know, I thought he hit some clutch shots in the tourney that year before he before he declared for the draft. Um, I just I like this play. I thought there was a lot of potential for him, but that's one of the things in that article that really stands out is a lot of these kids just play to get here and once they arrive it's like, All right, now I can breathe, now I can relax, which you're right, you can. You just made a bunch of millions. If you don't want to play basketball for the next fifteen years, you certainly don't have to. You know, put that money somewhere. This is why I like Jalen Brown, because he's got diversified <laughs> interests. No, really
1: he's I know smart.
0: Even if Jalen Brown is out of the league in five years, I guarantee you he does great things with what money he has made in his short time in the NBA. But you worry about guys like Sully and James Young and other players with that general tone around their NBA story where they got paid, but then they wanted to take a breather and sit back, and you just wonder if they would even have the discipline to manage their money properly and And what twenty year old would I certainly don't think I would have been all that great managing that kind of money at, at at age twenty either no
1: and and that's you're right the maturity and and all that goes with that of being a pro and wanting to drive the having the drive to be better and you know he Sellinger, you know maybe one of the worst things that ever happened to Jared Selinger is to see. Kevin Garnett traded after his rookie year. Because remember he had a pretty promising rookie year. It seemed like he was he was picking it up. He was and ever since then, he never really I mean he he would improve in areas, but I don't think he made the strides that I expected him to. You know? He has natural
0: talent. Mm-hmm. And a nose for the ball, which allows him to put points on the board and fill the box score right. with rebounds, which was a big concern about losing this individual from the team. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the most important thing for him, especially I think that, I think this is a statement on Celtics culture as well. A lot of young players on this team, they might fall into those same kind of habits. It's just not the environment. I think there's an element of that that they, they – put out the qualifying offer to help him engage conversations with other teams because they knew that somebody was going to do it. Then they rescinded it so it didn't look as insulting, and they probably didn't rescind it until they knew his agent was down the road with the Raptors on a, on an offer. And But they still sent a subtle message when they rescinded that offer to the other players on the team. And I think if you got really close and really talked to the other Celtics that they would tell you that, you know, Jared did not even though he was a funny guy and enjoyable to be around and good to have on the team, that he didn't fit the culture in terms of work ethic around the club. Mm-hmm. And I think that with as young as this club is, that the Celtics made a calculated risk to say, okay, we're going to get hurt on rebounding. Thank God we signed Al Horford. This makes Sully a little bit more expendable and, you know, maybe giving the kid a little bit of a kick in the butt is, is the best thing for him.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair 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 chance. You know, read of things. I, I just, you know, I I really. Well, he frustrated me. I'm really sad to see him go because I thought he was a guy coming in that really could have made something of his career. It it is kind of a sad thing to me because I really was early on. I was a huge supporter of his. I thought he really could have you know been something and. You know, it just didn't happen for him. You well, know. he's a tradable asset that we don't get
0: any value right. out of either, exactly. which also is quite – there's something about that. Danny right. doesn't let assets go for nothing. It's a risk-reward. They had the money to keep him. They could have kept him. But there was a risk-reward analysis that went on there that we can only – possibly read between the lines on, and there's been a lot of hints along the way. And, again, I don't want to kick his ass up and down the road either. I thought he would be a a buy low, sell high player. I mean, I thought he was going to be a double-double machine with low touches, and I wasn't even concerned about him not hitting the three-pointer. Everybody wanted to make a real big deal out of that, and then he stepped one step inside of the three-point line and hit the long two. I'm fine with that. I have no problems with that because he usually hit it. Where my issues were, were not only was there a lack, there was just a lack of consistency. If you've ever worked a job where you have somebody on your team that you know is exceptional, and yet they don't give 100% effort every day, and they're always looking at everybody else that isn't giving 100% every day, and they're kind of, you know, well, I am naturally talented enough to get by and stay off the radar, and they settle for that when you know that they really could be great that's a frustrating thing to be around it's a frustrating thing to watch and i think that's where i think that's where sully is i just don't think he's quite willing doesn't quite have the drive to be great, but he could be a great player, and he should be frustrated about that. Um, it wasn't that he wasn't likable, but I think there's a maturity issue there.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. There's a maturity issue. And, you know, for a guy like John Lucas to say that, he's somebody who, who works other players out. Who <laughs> just made you know, money
0: off of him last summer helping
1: Exactly. Him. You know that. Yeah. And and you know, so hopefully it works out for him Toronto, in Toronto, although not all that, not all that well. But let's talk about speaking of speaking of yeah, disappointing let's players. Some, like, wrap. Yep. Let's Absolutely. start with the disappointments and end and with the good ones. So let's go right to to James Young. Can we can we talk about James Young for a second?
0: I mean, it could be summed up in a flatulent noise.
1: Right. I mean the fact that you can't get on the you can't get on the court when your team Desperately needs wins to stay in the tournament, and you you can't play. And the coach afterwards says, "You know, you know, I wasn't playing him because he he wasn't performing, wasn't an injury, wasn't anything else. He was just bad."
0: Jamie Young was pissed at James Young,
1: yes, and and he and he let it
0: out, which is really again another very interesting thing because I don't. There are little idiosyncrasies in this Celtics culture about, you know, we're going to be really honest about things, but we're not going to beat a guy down. There's a lot of that commentary that makes you think that the Celtics are also quite close to done with James Young. And and that's a little shot across the bow. If this roster does come to a crunch, he's out. Um, Mm -hmm. If it doesn't come to a crunch because pieces are moved, then he might hang on for one more year. But he's on his last leg. He's got such a nice shooting stroke. And I did think that they're especially not so much in Vegas. Vegas is where he really bottomed out. Um, But a little bit in Utah where you saw him perform uh, adequately on defense, which is more than we'd seen the previous two years. I mean, defensively, he just looked lost. He got a few reps this season, and he thought, oh, he might be starting to get it. And he's only 20, turning 21. you, you got to give the kid a little bit of a break. I mean, right. he, he just wasn't fully ready. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, when that when the comments started coming out about him and you read and you see what Jamie Young said, you're looking at a player who again lacks the drive. I just I, I, and I think they're kind of saying, "Look, you know we're not going to wait for you to become a man. You know, we're paying you to be a man today. We understand that's not easy, but you're the one that came out uh, for the draft, basically saying, "I'm a man, I'm ready for this league." Yeah,
1: and clearly he was not. And clearly he has not. You know, and I understand the age thing. But after two years of being in the NBA, okay, first year I get it. You know, you were hurt in summer league before your first year. You know, you're so young. Okay, that's a learning experience. That's a time for you to, to sit back, figure out what the hell is going on in your life, and then address it next summer. Okay. You've got a bad summer league. Okay. Get it. All right. Well, now you've got to, you know, go through that year and this is year three. It's time for you to show you're an NBA player and you're still not showing up. You know, let's compare and contrast that with Terry Rozier, who good. I'm glad because I'm ready to move on yeah, from James. I young mean, too. well, I just, you know, not so much that, that, you know, you don't want to talk about young is, but, but you, when you compare those two, Terry Rozier, yes, he had more time in college. Yes, he had you know a bit more of a resume to work off of. But look at the growth. I mean, last year at this time, he has less opportunity too. Absolutely.
0: There's so many people ahead of him on the depth chart, and James Young had an open spot that he could have played his way into, Absolutely. and just dropped the ball. Yeah. And and the, and now the team is is putting you know Jalen Brown ahead of him, guaranteed. Oh,
1: truly. Truly, and and that's what's so impressive to me about Rozier. He's taking his opportunities. You know, I mean, you look at the playoffs, and he got minutes and performed, and was was more than adequate. Was was contributing towards towards wins against Atlanta, and yet you look at James Young. You know, he, you said he had opportunity. Rosier made his opportunity, and that's what was so impressive about that. And then now. I mean, he was arguably one of the best players in summer league.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely one of the best players. The
1: most efficient player in, in Vegas summer league was Terry Rozier, and
0: in control. And oh. I,
1: I did I did one of those knee jerk tweets where I,
0: you know, where I oh look at look at Rozier, he looks so comfortable. Below, and that was in game one. Well, it turned out to bear through the entire rest of Utah and. Uh, Vegas summer leagues, but just so in control. And then, then the articles started to come out. You know, we saw some really good stuff from Jay King and talking about. Listen, the game is slowing down for me. I'm seeing it. And even his advice and mentorship for Jalen Brown. It's like Jalen's still jumping on a few things, but I told him, if he, you know, this game, it'll start to slow down. Be patient. Read the defense. Take what, you know, there's so much room for you. Once you find your rhythm, it's really going to be off the hook. And so he's learned a lot. He's not only playing better, but he's clearly where Sullinger was not. He's clearly listening as well absolutely, yeah, he's
1: listening he's you know he he took he took i mean he didn't have an easy road he, it's not like he went down to to you know the d league and blew it up, and you know he he really didn't he didn't play great, you know when he was playing in, in in Portland and yet he took his opportunities and he listened and he improved and he got better and like you said it's, it's the, the things that he was doing that were I don't know I guess you know uns- you know were just smart and and like you said picking up the thing, it was just listening doing the work i mean those are things that Obviously, clearly, James Young was not doing. I mean, he's, no, no, Rozier he's no is, is totally coachable, and, absolutely and no had feel. None of those things. A year from now, a year ago, he last year he was not a player who played with feel and seemed to understand the situation. And
0: No, he's a guy that parks out beyond the arc and waits for somebody to pass in the ball so he can knock down a three-pointer and show what a smooth stroke he has. Yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's relying on that, absolutely. Rozier's not that guy. Who are the other losers in this Vegas Summer League? I know Mickey was battling through some injuries. Obviously, R.J. Hunter did as well, but but he had a nice back and forth. Um, was it with Portland? No, it was uh, against no. Phoenix,
1: against Devin Spoker. Phoenix, yes.
0: right. So, you know, that was a nice – I've been kind of down on R.J. Hunter, too. Um, I've been wondering not, – no, not so much the work ethic. He seemed like a kid with work ethic. I just – is it me, or does he just look a little awkward on the floor?
1: I think that's just what he is. I think he just is awkward. <laughs> you know, I think, he, I think he's very passive, and I don't think he's aggressive enough. Um, you know, but I think he just—you're right. I mean, especially defensively, he just looks out of place and out of sorts at times. Uh, the so is he a loser or the book is still out? I'm I'm gonna put him in the lo- in a loser category. Although I think, like you said, the the injuries—it's probably not fair to do that because the the hurt wrist. You know, but it's, the thing is, is the issue is it wasn't the wrist that was slowing him down; it was it was you know defending it was moving your feet it was that's none of that's your wrist you know it's the thing yeah. that he was doing a year ago so hopefully he's going to show some growth there the other thing is he didn't play a lot in portland he he did sit the bench in boston quite a bit and so I wonder, you know, how much it's scary just- that James Young got more minutes than he did when he was in Portland. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that, that's another one of those idiosyncrasies that you wonder about is yeah. like, okay, what's that saying about R.J. Hunter? Or is it they have a lot of hopes for the ability of Young and they're trying to teach him professionalism and he's got a year ahead of Hunter and he sort of fits the need better. And maybe if somebody goes down, they're going to need to call him up and they want him to be ready, whereas they're taking a longer term view with Hunter. I mean, there's a lot of different angles that they could be taking but he yeah, you know he is he's a little awkward and then let's talk about mickey because he had the shoulder issue i want to know i mean i agree with you on hunter so i don't even think we have to dive into it he's awkward yeah the defense the other issues he's probably i think the book is still out but he leans he's a loser in summer league i'm not sure that that i think the book is still out on whether or not he can contribute to the team he is a sweet shooting you know guard and he puts effort i mean he's clearly got effort but the head's got to come together with that the game needs to slow down for rj hunter and it hasn't mickey had a nice season in the d league if we want to talk about guys getting d league minutes however he suffered an injury and couldn't finish out the season and now we see him head into summer league and he's got a similar issue i don't i'm not saying that injuries are going to end up plaguing his career and and you know all of that kind of thing but are you going to take these injuries apply them to summer league and say he's a loser. or Is that a book? Is still out? He's still not a winner. He can't be a winner because he just it wasn't there no. in uh, much time. No,
1: I'm with you there. I mean, I, I'll give him an incomplete. You know, I think that entering summer league there was there was a lot of talk. And I, I want to say Danny Ainge was one who mentioned it, who said that he could be in contention for a, a, rotate, a spot in the rotation this year. I don't know if he was looking and expecting some more moves or what have you, but. You know The guy that we saw wasn't capable of that. I'm going to give put a little bit more just on the fact of the, the shoulder injury and, and hoping that that had something to do with it, but not a great showing by Jordan Mickey, who who really showed up quite well at Summer League a year ago. So it's not as if he doesn't know how to play well or, or can't play He's ball. shooting the ball, though. He I'm going to give him that. Absolutely. He is
0: definitely shooting the ball, and that's going to help his case if he continues to – if his blocking shots – and rebounding in the D-League is gonna, tr- if it translates to the pro game and he can hit the jumper the way he's been, he'll be a nice piece potentially off the bench. Um. So let's go to this year's. I think we just ran down the list of last year's draftees. We've got this year's draftees. Uh, you know, obviously we've got some end of the benchers, uh, late second round picks, and I'm gonna use that to get to our Twitter question, but that'll be the last one. So let's save Bentle and Nader performances, but let's go with Demetrius Jackson, Yabusele, and and Jalen Brown. Let, let's start with Jackson. I think we got another incomplete here. showed fairly well in the final game. And you can kind of see how he translates, but it's it's more of the Rozier thing. Let's give him a year. Let's do the D-League. Let's do the development. Let's get him in the organization. And and maybe a year from now, and next year's Summer League, we'll be
1: able to to see what we really have. Are you in agreement on that one? Yeah, I mean, on the the plus side for for Jackson, he played so, I'm going to say poorly, but he he didn't play well enough to probably have the Celtics keep his roster spot. You know, so he may be able to be cut and stashed in Portland. I think basically what they thought they were going to do with Nader. Um, there were there were definitely signs, and I thought in Utah in particular he played pretty well. There were times with him in the backcourt with um, with Rozier that I thought he looked pretty good. Athleticism. He made a couple steals that were really great reads, but. I think he needs time, and I think he needs time in a pro system. So he's a guy I would love to keep around. I think that he will get it, and I think he will be another Rosier, you know. But if you have to trade Rosier in a in a package, I don't mind, you know, stashing him in in Portland and having him work on his game because I think a year from now he's going to be pretty good. Um, so yeah, I liked him. I, I but not enough to really say in summer league that he is worthy of much. No, no, you're hoping that
0: he comes in and does what Rozier did this year. You're hoping he does it next year. Yep. What about the Grateful Dead, the Dancing Bear, Bear. Yavuzeli? Uh, you know, a lot of athleticism, especially for a guy that's on the heavier side, you know, sort of a big baby Jared Sullinger composite Um you know really in that mold if you think about it but far more athletic I would say I mean there were times when Glenn Davis looked incredibly athletic you know for his size but Yabusele still looks even more athletic I think and uh, had some really nice finishes at the rim defensively still got a little bit to learn I remember in Utah he struggled a little bit with the spacing because the game is different than it is overseas and so he was still learning that I, I think that he's a He's probably on the winner's side when you consider what he's been experiencing. The adjustments for the guys coming out of the college game has really more to do with, with defense in terms of, you know, the three-second violation on defense, right? Mm-hmm. But out, uh, outside of that, um, or defensive three seconds, outside of that, uh, I think the transition is, is much greater for somebody who's been playing overseas professionally to come over and do this really quick. Um, Especially when you have potentially a language barrier, but I don't think that was the case with Yavaselli. I think he understands English just fine. But I remember he had an uh, he had an interview with with Amanda Flugrad of Celtics. dot com, and I think he only picked up English like two or three years ago, which is amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he's pretty bright. I'm, I'm, I'm. I think. I don't think the language is going to be an issue. I think the defense, the language on defense is the problem for him. Yeah, I, that's where he needs work. Um, but like you said, if he can pick up English in two years, uh, I think he can pick up Brad Stevens' defense, you know. Stash him. Uh, if you can't find a roster spot, you have to. I'm Personally, I, I don't like the stash idea just because when – The way things work over there is so much different than, like you said, than what we do here. I would rather feel better about having a guy in your system going to Portland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that they're overloaded with players and picks right now, so it's kind of an unfair situation to to develop players. You can stash a guy like this for one
0: year and bring back over and probably not lose a whole lot, but – you can't stash him for two or three years and get anything out of him. He's he's actually on the older side for picks yeah. that they've made in recent years. And so he needs to come over and learn this game. I agree with you. I think you could stash him for one year and let the roster settle itself out a little bit. But you almost wonder if maybe the Sullinger move was creating an opportunity for Yabba Sella to stay here stateside. Yeah,
1: you know, and I think that I think he needs he just he needs good coaching more than anything. He really needs good coaching. He needs somebody who's going to really be on his his backside about his defense, keep him in shape, work on his shot. Those are things that he can do anywhere. And you know maybe if they can find the right situation for him in Europe, great. But I, I love the dancing bear. I mean, I think that guy if he can put things together and not be a knucklehead. <laughs> Like Glenn Davis was, which you remember, I was not a Glenn Davis fan. It's not the from the beginning, the beginning, from day one, not a fan of Glenn Davis. This guy has the tools that Glenn Davis has, but I think he's a pretty bright guy. And as long as he puts the time in, gets better on defense, becomes a better defensive rebounder. I'm not saying the Draymond, I think the Draymond stuff is a little overplayed, but I definitely think he's a modern power forward in a way that the Celtics could really use him. Uh he has all the tools to become that. Great find by Austin Age.
0: Yeah, and I will also say at the post draft press conference that was one of the things Danny focused on was saying that these guys are men, you know, not only physically, but even mentally, and I think, again, that's just tying into the culture and when they're trying to grab players. It's definitely a great find by Austin Ainge, and we talked about this on draft night as well, how some of these foreign players pan out for the Celtics with some of these picks, will have a little bit to do with what Austin's legacy is going to be because clearly he's expanded their scouting uh, overseas and really at a time where they where I think the Celtics can benefit from that. They're not going to hit on every one of these, but definitely if they could get a few maybe starting caliber or deep-minute rotation players with mid- to late-round picks that Austin scouted, good good on him. All right, we've hit the hour mark. But we're gonna, ha- we still got a, a couple of topics to cover as we get on out of here. Got talk One about your boy. Got to talk about my boy. And we have a, <laughs> a Twitter question from from our man Sam Sheehan, Sheehan, the co-host of uh, Scorching Shamrocks here on CLNS Radio. So he, he got he has a question for us, and we'll use that to talk about Bentle and Nader as well, and and we'll get you on out of here in the next ten minutes. But Jalen Brown, my man. I'm not even going to say anything, John, because you are already a convert. In just a matter of a few short weeks, I told you I wanted him. I talked about him enough leading up into the draft. It was the athleticism. Uh, it was all the things you can't teach. And it was the fact that what really sold me and when I settled in was when I read the articles about just his, I don't want to say extracurricular because they're actually curricular, but the the way that he wanted to, uh round out himself as a man Uh the work ethic i love reading the articles about twenty thousand hours Um i've read a couple of malcolm gladwell's books and i just think you know what i think the kid gets it i think everything that maybe we just talked about with you know james young and and jared Sullinger are not applicable here i'm a big fan tell me why you're a big fan
1: well i i hate to say you told me so, but <laughs> no, it, he was great. Woo! He was great. I, look, I think that the one thing that surprised me was his handle. That's the thing to me that really showed me that this is a guy who's ready to play now. I, mean, I think he's going to be able to play play and contribute this year. I wasn't sure that that was going to be the case. The statistics were, were not on that side. Sam, Our buddy Sam here is... Remember from draft night was was despondent. Um, no, it was Ryan. Oh well, it's right. It was Ryan. Although
0: yeah, Sam Ryan was on Twitter was being way despondent. way down. Yeah, but Sam was definitely down. Although you'll remember uh, Sullivan James Sullivan was way up on it. Well, that, that, but the handle. Just to tell you though, the handle that was the only thing that stood out of me. Stood out to me in summer league as well. It's funny that you say that, but it was just so. That also surprised me. It's not like I watched enough Cal games. I'm not a scout and I'm not trying to talk to our listeners like, ooh, I knew something you didn't. I just, I liked the combination of skills and intelligence, the, the, the things that you can't teach, work ethic, all the intangibles, but the handle was a super surprise for me as well. I mean, it's phenomenal. And
1: so we knew he was athletic, but I didn't realize he was, you, if you like, blink in the wrong direction. He's by you. He's past you already, and already up. Yeah,
0: he's not just around you. He's already in the air. He's already. Yeah. First step is already by you, and he's already got one foot up
1: in the air and climbing the ladder. Yep. Yeah. The the athleticism and 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 the handle. And look, I'm not saying the guy is Steph Curry with the, with the ball in his hands. I'm just saying that he's really he does a really fine – he does a much better job with that with the basketball in his hands than I thought he was going to be able to. So I think that sets him up to be able to do a lot of things this year. The defense is going to be key to us. So and now let's see what he can do against real NBA players. They're going to make him shoot, you know. They're going to – Teams are not going to let him just get They the can the
0: They can scheme for that Absolutely. level of quickness. The only saving grace for him is he's not going to be the primary option. He's not going to have to lead right. a team coming out of the gate, which is going to do wonders for maintaining a high level of confidence for him. And he's still going to be competitive because they are going to game plan for him,
1: especially the minute he has any kind of rotation minutes success. I think if we could get a year out of him – which is a little bit better than Tony Allen in 2004. That's a good. That's a good sign. Which is yep. the weak side put back dunks, the you know the defense, um, the scrappiness. I think if you get a 2004 level season out of him of, of Tony Allen, you've got you're, you're on the way with that guy. Yep. In the meantime, he puts up tons of shots. Yep
0: is the stroke looks good. It's just not refined. And the other thing is he's got to learn. He he passes the ball. But he needs to learn how to drive and dish. He needs that in his repertoire. Too bad the Celtics don't have many players that can take that dish and knock down an open jumper because it's going to be discouraging for him when he makes that pass and it doesn't happen. The only, again, saving grace is he's going to be on a veteran club, a very deep club, and he's not going to have to carry the torch. Were he in a Sacramento Kings scenario where he was coming in like Boogie did and he had to, you know, He had to shoulder the load and and be the all star and do all of that. And he was making those open passes and the shots weren't coming down. I think it would have precipitated the problem and actually reinforced the parts of his abilities that would not need, that would not
1: grow that needed to. I think he came to the right team. I think he came to the right team. He definitely, his decision making needs to improve greatly. I think that's, that's one area where he's going to have to get that or you know you could make those turnovers in a summer league game and not really pay the price there was really there were some situations where he fell asleep yeah yeah he made just some he did. really poor choices and that and that's something that was common from cal so he needs to get that out of his system young players do that that's not uncommon paul pierce did it a whole bunch when he was a young player i'm not worried about it yet but but he's it's it's an area but of improvement but people want
0: People want him to come in like LeBron, That's crazy. and I never thought that was fair, and I never thought that whoever we picked at this position in this year's draft, we weren't going to get that player. But I will tell you, if he puts in the work, and he learns, and he's a true student of the game, and he does everything that he says he's going to do that way, it's not out of the question to think that he could be you know, a perennial all-star in the league. His upside is there.
1: Whether he gets there is a whole other question. Yep, no, I, I will not disagree with you there. I think I think he's going to play. I think he can contribute. I think that he's he's got all of those things. He's just got to now. He's just got to show it. Just like Terry, if he does what Terry Rozier did from last year to this year, and, and I think he's starting from a much higher place than where Terry was. I mean, hell, the last three games he was a tw- he was basically a twenty ten guy. So. <laughs> and then that's in his first summer league, better than Brandon Ingram, better than, than uh, Ben Simmons. Uh, the, the guy is... <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, here. I love it. But I, I do think he's, he's, he was a good pick. And, and the other piece of this, and this is the, reason, the main reason why I was against the pick, I think he's a trade asset now. I think he did well enough where he's a trade asset. Shut your mouth. All right. Let's go to Sam Sheehan's question then. Cause I'm not ready to go
0: there. I don't even want to hear that. Sorry. I, I, I want to rebuild. I want to develop some of these players. I'm willing to move some to consolidate, you know, posi- you know, the right move. And we never talked about Philly, but that still seems like the most likely deal that a guard would go in some sort of a move for, for Okafer or Noel. But let's, let's close the show out. With this one from Sam Sheehan, he says, with no big move, are you guys in favor of getting a one-year free agent or signing Nader or Bental and saving space? The $11 in cap space could be useful for salary matching and flexibility in midseason trades, but having as good a record this year as possible is important for the free agent draw next year. Also, Amir has a pretty big salary for matching purposes. It's one of the more polarizing choices left for the Cs. I'll tell you, I definitely want, I'm in for the rebuild. I want to see these young players play, but I would definitely spend the money on a one year free agent at the power forward center front court position. One hundred percent yes, yes, yes. Um, there's just it would just have to be a veteran who'd be willing to ride Pine, somebody unlike David Lee, but in that same mold. I would spend the money for salary matching. I would definitely do a one year. Uh, I like what we saw from Nader. Bentle I really liked at the start out in Utah, but he fizzled out fast. Which was really disappointing. You could see he had the body and he had the offensive game, but defensively he was getting confused and the harder he tried to work on that, the more he wasn't able to show up in the areas of strength as well. Um I, I think he hurt his chances of getting on the roster. I think we'll see him with the with the red claws just fine and he'll continue to play. And, you know, there's still a part of me that likes him. But Nader obviously could hit the outside shot. Um He, you could see him maybe latching on to the to the red claws and dancing up and down a little bit for spot minutes, depending. But but I am more of the, you know, I would have spent that money on somebody like Jared Dudley, you know, somebody who was willing to come off the bench, who wouldn't have minded a mid season trade, who you know went for just a little bit more than than the Celtics would have been able to
1: pay based on the 11 million that they have left now. Well, the other remember we've still got we've still got Tyler Zeller out there right now, so that may be what ends up happening with that eleven million. The, you know, the, I could see them re-signing him, maybe not to an eleven, but a one-year deal where you know they maybe pay him a little bit more. I don't know. I think that there's you know, but oh, then you've got definitely it's definitely Zeller over Nader and Bentle, yeah. though, right? Before you keep going, yeah, okay. Yeah, although Darth Nader, uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you
0: dropped it. He <laughs> we was, all thought it, but you were willing like, to say I went, it.
1: I went there. I was willing to do that. Uh, I took one for the team. Look, no, D- Nader, I think, played really well, was really solid, um, played like a, you know a, an older college player should enter in that situation, was poised defense, shot-making from three, drove the ball a little bit. I mean, I think he he had the whole complete package. He's a guy that if you do make those trades and you you flush out all the players on you, he's a guy you could see who sticks at the end of the bench, slowly earns a roster, you know, gets his roster sought and slowly works his way up through into a rotation role. You know, a, a, a way like,
0: but did he really get signed by the Celtics? I thought the way that they did that was they signed him to a, a Red Claws contract.
1: Well, no, what they did now, right now, no one's been signed Brown. I don't think Brown signed. I don't think any of the second rounders have signed. I think everyone is still in the mix and, and that's not uncommon. I don't think, but, I think they're waiting to see what happens. So I don't know. I mean you're right. Draft night that was the word was that well they're going to take him and they're going to stash him. So the idea is they'll, you know, basically right. So they haven't
0: actually done anything. They haven't it, done, but done the,
1: anything. But oh. but
0: the word but I thought that was on good It was.
1: Goods, yeah. would
0: count that he would he would end up you know, they drafted him. Yeah. They signed him to a red clause contract, but the Celtics don't really own his rights other than he's with the red clause and if they wanted to bring him up and have time with them, they could. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, so But
1: they never you did. Think, but they never, but they never did. Right. Right. So, and so, so basically, you now get a situation Another foreboding voting piece of information. He outperformed Jackson and Bentle, and so now should the Celtics kind of undo that and say, look, you know, we may keep you around and, and cut those guys? The answer is
0: yes if there's no trades. The answer is a little bit different if you look at a lot of these guards.
1: Being shipped out. I mean, look right now, you got you have twenty players that you have in some way uh, ownership of. So they've got to get they've got to get this down. <laughs> they got to get loose of five guys. So you know Zizic obviously is going to be it appears that's just a fait accompli at this point. You know, but you've got four more. So Zeller is one of those. You have Asele is one of those. Nader is one of those, and then the two other, you know, second rounders. So you're going to have to cut unless there's a trade here to to open up space. You're going to have to cut at least two of these second rounders, as far as I can tell. So is it Nader and Bentel? Is it Jackson and Bentel? To me, Jackson seems like somebody like James Young could get cut. It really kind of depends. I know, but you know, I mean, you saw the thing that that uh, Bullpet said yesterday, or was it yesterday or yeah it was yesterday Sunday, but he said basically you know it seems unlikely they're going to let him go and and as those of us who those no
0: final shots across the bow
1: yeah you you were a first round pick. Let's see what you can do with it.
0: I know. It's, so would you spend the $11 million on Zeller? Just to wrap the, the
1: show. we got to wrap the show. Yeah, I think would I you would.
0: spend the $11 million on Zeller?
1: I would I think because I, if I remember right, what you're able to do if you do that instead of him taking the qualifying offer is that allows you to trade him. But the issue is if you have this whole thing, let's say the Westbrook deal happens. Let's say you get to Labor Day and you're stuck with whatever – You don't want to have that money committed to Tyler Zeller because you may not be able to then, you know, do this, you know, uh, extension with uh, Westbrook. So you've really got to kind of let that play out a bit. This whole thing with this roster crunch, I think, could last quite a while if there isn't a deal, you know, relatively soon.
0: You know, you look at Zeller, and and I think you're right. I just wonder if he'll still be patient enough to wait that out. Right? They, you might give him a couple more weeks, but that's something that's going to have to get done sooner than later, or he's going to. You have to wonder if he's already a little impatient with them because he didn't get a lot of playing time last year. And, you know, this is a situation where he might spend next season doing the exact same thing, especially after the acquisition of Horford. Um, but. You know, maybe, maybe he's not getting a lot of calls at this point. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how this one plays out. And we're going to be back next week. So, uh, we'll, we'll draw this out some more. I'm sure there'll be some more information. Hey, there might even be a trade to talk about. So we'll see. But this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Again, I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John's at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in. You can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to us. Reminder that today's show is brought to you by Fan Essentials. They have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the network. Just go on over to Fan Essentials and you can get a 30% discount on your first month by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. Big thanks to you, the loyal Sealinist Radio audience who makes this all worthwhile, and for staff writer Eddie Santiago, Program Director Larry H. Russell and the founder of Sealinist Radio Nick Gelso, my co host, and I, John Duke. I'm Justin Poolin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.